Okay, well, today we're coming towards the end of our series on discipleship, and uh, both have said this morning and this evening we're looking at discipleship and the church, uh, but the two talks are quite different. And we're thinking very much about the important role that the church has in being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I think this is very relevant for today. We live in a society of tremendous individualism. It's all about me personally. It's what I want. I think maybe COVID has just heightened that among in the church. Some people just want to do their own devotions and be themselves and to be a disciple by themselves. And that is a total anathema to what Jesus has taught and what the Bible teaches about the role of the church in people being disciples. Now, as we think of this, the first thing I want to think about is then and now. And think about how there's a major difference between the situation that the disciples faced in the Gospels when Jesus was physically present with them and the situation that we have now. For the disciples, they could see Jesus with their eyes. They could hear Jesus' words audibly with their ears. And they could have very detailed commands from Jesus, like go and get that donkey that's outside Jerusalem, or go and prepare that upper room. They could get very detailed commands from Jesus in a way that we cannot today. So, how do we be disciples when we do not hear this audible voice of Jesus. Well, Bonhoeffer says, when Jesus came to His first disciples, He came to them with His Word and was present with them in bodily form. How is His call handed on to us today? How could we apply Levi's call directly to our own lives? Did not Jesus adapt His words to suit different men and different occasions? What about the paralytic? Remember the man lowered through the roof? He received forgiveness and healing. What about Lazarus? He was raised from the dead. He did not call them to leave their work and follow him, but instead he left them at home with their families and their jobs. And so Bonhoeffer said, you look at the story of Levi, Matthew the tax collector. He had to leave his job, leave everything and follow Jesus. But the paralyzed man whose sins were forgiven, who was healed, he wasn't told to leave everything and follow Jesus, nor was Lazarus when he was raised from the dead. So, are we to follow the example of Matthew, leave everything and follow Jesus, leave our jobs, or follow the other men? What are we to do? This is what Bonhoeffer says. We quote and put you up here. Who is there to tell me and others, for that matter, that we are not acting on our own initiative and following our own wild fancies. So he's saying we could be get an idea from the Scriptures, but it may not actually be what Jesus wants us to have. We can be running according to our own wild fancies. And sometimes I think that has happened with people. So what is the answer to this dilemma of not seeing and hearing Jesus in this direct way? Now, Bonhoeffer mentions two things which are really helpful, I think, for us. First of all, he says this, He comes to us today and is present with us in bodily form and in His Word. If we would hear His call to follow, we must listen where He is to be found, that is, in the church through the ministry of Word and sacrament. The preaching of the church and the administration 
of the sacraments is the place where Jesus Christ is present. If you would hear the call of Jesus, you need no personal revelation. All you have to do is to hear the sermon and receive the sacrament. That is, to hear the gospel of Christ crucified and risen. So Bonhoeffer says he comes to us in bodily form and in his word. How does Jesus come to us in bodily form and in his word? It is through the church. The church is the body of Christ. And it's in the church that Christ dwells. It's in the church we meet and we hear Christ. He says, hear the word, receive the sacrament. In it, hear him himself, and you will hear his call. So listen to the word being taught. Receive the sacrament. Be there in the church, and you will hear the call of Jesus. Now, the second thing which he says is very helpful, and it, it helps us in that sort of problem we were thinking about between do we follow the example of Matthew and leave everything, leave our jobs and our homes to follow Jesus, or do we be like the, the paralyzed man who didn't have to do that? And he says this, suppose then we say finally that whereas the commandment the disciples received was plain and clear enough, we have to decide for ourselves which of his words applies to our particular case. And so, he says, this could be actually a very dangerous situation. If we could maybe then make the Bible to be whatever we want it to be. And just say, well, that message about Matthew becoming, leaving everything and following Jesus, that doesn't really apply to me. And we can become in self our own bosses and be like at a, a buffet when we come to the Bible, take what we want and leave behind what we don't want. He says, that's dangerous. That's not what a disciple of Jesus is. So how is this dilemma resolved? Well, he says this. It is dangerous to ask whether we are to draw a parallel between ourselves and the disciples or ourselves and the paralytic. We may not compare ourselves to others. It is not a question of stepping into the shoes of the disciples or any other than New Testament characters. The only constant factor throughout is the sameness of Christ and of His call then and now. And this is so crucial, and this really needs to guide and to help us when we come to study the Bible for ourselves. We're not to learn primarily by looking at Matthew or the paralyzed man. They are different men in different situations. We're to look at the Jesus they met. We're to focus on this Jesus. And the Jesus who was real then is real now. The Jesus then is the same Jesus now. So in order to be guided and to benefit from God's Word as we should, we look to see Jesus. He goes on and says this, the Scriptures do not present us with a series of Christian types to be imitated according to choice. They preach to us in every situation the one Jesus Christ. And so, he's saying, remember what the purpose of the Bible is? The purpose of the Bible is to make Jesus known to us. And so, Take the story of the paralyzed man. 
We're not to think, oh, well, that boy jumped up and was filled with thankfulness, and that's what we're to do. No, that's not the first thing. Yes, we can take that from him, but that's not the first thing. We look at that story, and remember, he was lowered down through the roof, and remember what Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven, and the religious leaders said, this is blasphemy. And Jesus says, so that you know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins, he says to the fellow, get up and walk. What does this reveal about Jesus? It reveals this glorious, awesome person who is equal to God in that he can forgive sins and reveals the power, his power and authority to do that by raising that fella from his paralyzed state. And it's by coming to see this Jesus. It's coming to focus on this Jesus. It's coming to keep our eyes on this Jesus. Makes us more than halfway down the road of being what a disciple should be. He goes on and says this, the object of Jesus' command is always the same, to evoke wholehearted faith, to make us love God and our neighbor with all our heart and soul. And so, as we read the Bible, in some senses, we're not to get caught up in the intricate little things. We are to come to the Bible so that Jesus will speak to us, so that Jesus is revealed, so that we will grow in love. We will grow in faith. We will grow to be like Him. Do you see how that helps us? Because what is a disciple of Jesus? A disciple of Jesus is a follower of Jesus. A disciple of Jesus is an imitator of Jesus. And so when you come to see Jesus and see what's important to Him, to see His character, which we should be developing in our lives, it's that above everything else that helps us to be a disciple of Jesus. And so, when you come to the Bible, what you need to do is to, instead of just looking at a story and just take the practice of a story and apply it to my practice today, what you need to do is go to that story, see what it learned, teaches you about God, about Jesus, what principles it teaches you, and apply those principles then to your life today. So that's the then and now. We come to our Bibles to see Jesus, to become like Jesus, to be a disciple. The second thing then is baptism. Bonhoeffer has highlighted the importance of the church as the body of Christ, which teaches us God's Word, which brings the sacrament to us. And this is what he says. I think this is very interesting. Where are the synoptic gospels? The synoptic gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John's is slightly different. Where the synoptic gospels speak of Christ calling men and their following him, Paul speaks of baptism. In baptism, man becomes Christ's own possession. And when the name of Christ is spoken over the candidate, he becomes a partaker in this name and is baptized into Jesus Christ. So, Bonhoeffer says, as you look at the New Testament, you look at the Matthew, Mark, and Luke, again and again you hear this call, follow me, follow me. But then this Jesus goes to heaven. When you come to Paul's writings, 
that phrase to follow me seems to be more replaced by an emphasis on baptism. He says this here about the person who is baptized. He is wrested from the dominion of the world and passes into the ownership of Christ. Baptism, therefore, betokens a breach. Christ invades the realm of Satan, lays hands on his own, and creates for himself his church. Now, this is a very important thing we see in there. Baptism symbolizes a breach with the world. He goes on and says this, the breach with the world which has been affected in Christ can no longer remain hidden. It must come out into the open through membership of the church and participation in its life and worship. When he joins the church, the Christian steps out of the world, his work and family, taking his stand visibly in the fellowship of Jesus Christ. And so what he's saying is baptism is such an important symbol in which a, a person is saying publicly, I am leaving behind the world and its values, and I belong to Jesus. So the idea is baptism symbolizes a breach with the world. It is a, a public declaration that you're breaking from the world to be fully committed to the Lord. Now, I've had the pleasure, the amazing pleasure of, at times, and I have to be careful what I say here, but I have had the amazing pleasure of being involved in baptizing some people who have come from a, a different faith background who weren't brought up as Christians, who were brought up in a very different faith, in a very different culture. And when those folk are baptized, it is such a public symbol and declaration. So much so that when they are baptized, it was emphasized no one was to photograph them and no one was to record it because it could mean big trouble for them. But from someone from that background being baptized was such a clear symbol that they were leaving behind that religion and that old life with which they were coming up. And this emphasis that baptism is about a breach applies whether it is an infant baptism or an adult believer's baptism. In, let's take adult baptism first of all. It's a simple one in this sense. And in other words, when someone as a believer gets baptized, what they are saying as are, the water comes on them, they are saying that they are washed by Christ. They belong to Christ. The Christ is their Savior. Christ is their Lord. They are going to follow Christ. They're not following the ways of the world. It is a clear breach. When parents have their child baptized, they are saying so importantly, we are maintaining as believers, we are maintaining our break with the world, and we want that break of the world to be real in the life of my child, and we are bringing our children up not as the world brings their children up, we are bringing our children up not as little pagans, 
but bringing up our children as followers of Jesus Christ. We're bringing up our children in the teaching and discipline of the Lord. And what we should do, whether we were baptized as babies, whether we were baptized as adults, is look back to our baptism, be reminded of our baptism, that our baptism symbolizes us breaking with the world. We don't do what the world does, but we live as God commands us. I love the story. William Still, the late William Still, who was minister in Kilcompson South in Aberdeen, very strong in the whole emphasis on covenant theology and, and infant baptism. He tells the story of a young girl, her father had died, she had a Christian mother, she came to her teens, she was rebelling against Christianity. And she said to her mother, I'm not going to follow Jesus anymore. I'm going to give up on all this Christian stuff. And her mother's reply is, it's not your decision. It was decided for you a long time ago. Holding on to that belief and promise of baptism. And she was using the fact that her daughter was baptized to remind her daughter that she is different. She may is kicking against it. Where did that daughter end up? On the mission field, serving the Lord. And you see how you use your baptism, whether it's infant or adult, it's a reminder that you've broken with the world. You've broken with the ways of the world. You belong to Jesus. Let me read just a couple of verses here in Romans 6 here. You've got your Bible in front of you. Paul says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death in order just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may walk in the newness of life. Now, when he says we were baptized into Christ Jesus, baptized into his death, what is he talking about? There are two baptisms you should be aware of. There is water baptism, and then there is what water baptism symbolizes, points to, which is rebirth, being born again by the Spirit of God. Now, when Paul talks about Basically, the argument is people were saying, if I'm justified through faith alone, made right with faith alone, I can live whatever way I can. And Paul responds and said, but listen, you can't live whatever way you are because you were baptized. That means you were baptized into Jesus' death. And basically what he's saying, their water baptism is a symbol and a reminder of this rebirth, the real baptism by the Holy Spirit when they were born again. How can you be born again? How can you have the death of Jesus Christ and the power of that death to deal with sin be applied to your soul when you're born again, which baptism symbolizes, and then live a life of sin? Here's what Bonhoeffer says. By baptism, we are made partakers in the death of Christ. Through our baptismal death, we have been condemned to death and have died, just as Christ died once and for all. There can be no repetition of His sacrifice. Therefore, the baptized person dies in Christ once 
and for all. And so he's saying your baptism is a reminder. You have died in Jesus. Your sinfulness has died in Jesus once and for all. You have left that old life behind. That's what baptism symbolizes, that rebirth which deals that old life. And then he goes on and says this. The baptized live not by a literal repetition of this death, but by a constant renewal of their faith in the death of Christ as His act of grace in us. The source of their faith lies in the once-for-allness of Christ's death, which they have experienced in their baptism. What he is saying is, understand, when you were saved, when you were born again, the power of Jesus' death was applied to your soul. You were born again. The old nature was crucified. And what you need to do is constantly remind yourself that you are someone different. Remind yourself that you're someone who has been changed through the death of Jesus, dealing with the power of sin in your life. So you're not like a sinner who sin controls. The power of sin is broken in your life. Yes, you're not perfect yet, but you're different. That old life has been left behind. That old life, the power of sin, is broken. And baptism reminds you that this has happened. It's a constant reminder who we are in Jesus. Sometimes we use that phrase to make an excuse for ourselves or make an excuse for other Christians when they mess up but we're just sinners saved by grace, as if we're not different. We are not just sinners saved by grace. And we'll be thinking about this tonight. When you are saved, you have become a saint, a holy one, set apart for God. And that is what your baptism symbolizes. And then one final point, which is the body of Christ. And Bonhoeffer emphasizes again and again what the Bible teaches. Discipleship cannot happen apart from the church outside the body of Christ. And he says this, Since the ascension, Christ's place on earth has been taken by His body, the church. The church is the real presence of Christ. The fellowship of the baptized becomes a body which is identical with Christ's own body. So he is saying, listen, when you're saved, you become part of the body of Christ. He is the head. We are part of the body. He goes on and says this, the New Testament doctrine of the body of Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy concerning the temple of God. Think back to the Old Testament where God was asked by David if David could build a house for God. And God says, no, you have too much blood on your hands, David, but your son Solomon, he will build a house for me. But Bonhoeffer goes on and says this, it was built by the hands of men and so was doomed to destruction. The temple at Jerusalem was destroyed more than once, a sign that it was not the temple of God's promise, where then was the true temple? Christ himself answers that question by applying the prophecy to his body. Do you remember Jesus was at the temple and the disciples and others said, what an amazing building is this? 
And Jesus says, the temple will be destroyed and in three days built again. And they laughed at him because it took years upon years to build the temple. But Jesus was not talking about that building made of stones there in Jerusalem. He was talking about his body. And so the temple today, the temple of which God dwells, is the body of Christ, the church, not the building, but the people of God who form this body. The temple of God on earth is the body of Christ, the church, the people of God. And what is this temple built by? The temple is built by Jesus. He will build His church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's not built by man, because the original temple in Jerusalem was built by man and therefore did not last. But the temple that is built by Jesus, the church of Christ, the body of Christ, is a temple that will last forever. And Bonhoeffer says this, the body of Christ is identical with the new humanity which He has taken upon Him. It is, in fact, the church. Jesus Christ is at once Himself and His church. Since the first Whit Sunday, that's Pentecost Sunday, the life of Christ has been perpetuated on earth in the form of His body, the church. Here is His body crucified and risen. Here is the humanity He took upon Him. And He goes on and says this, the earthly body of Jesus underwent crucifixion and death. In that death, the new humanity undergoes crucifixion and death. Now, let me explain this because this is so important. If you're part of the church, if you're part of the body of Christ, Jesus died and He rose again to defeat the power of sin. Jesus died and rose again so that the power of sin would be defeated in his body, the church. Jesus died and rose again so that those who belong to his church would belong to a new humanity, a people who are transformed by his grace, a people who are transformed by the power of the cross. So you cannot be a member of the church and live like the rest of the world. In being a member of the church, and the way people are admitted into the church through the sacraments, which speak both baptism and the Lord's Supper, both speak of the power of Jesus' death being applied to our lives to bring us forgiveness, and to make us new creations, new people in the likeness of Jesus. So you cannot say, I'm a part of the church, and then live like your unbelieving neighbor. You cannot say you're a part of the church, and not have Jesus as your Lord and King. You cannot be a part of the church and not be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Why the body of Christ? The body of Christ, being a Christian, you're joined to Jesus 
you're joined to Jesus to be cleansed, to be washed, to be new. Can I say this reverently? You're joined to Jesus to be like a wee Jesus. Living in your home, going to your work, going to your school, walking down your street. People should see in your life, as you commit yourself to the fellowship of the church, to the teaching of the church, to the life of the church in prayer, people should see in your life a person who is growing to become more and more like Jesus. If that is not happening, you need to ask yourself, as we were thinking about last week, am I on the narrow road that leads to eternal life? Or am I, am I on that broad road that leads to destruction? Because the only people who are on that narrow road that leads to everlasting life are the disciples of Jesus who are part of the body of Christ, washed and cleansed by the power of the cross. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, we are in deep, deep water here today. We really are going into things which we, none of us can fully understand. And yet these are things that are revealed in your word to, to teach us, Father. To teach us, Father, that by coming to see Christ and in your word. Lord, by being a, a baptized people. Father, we have broken with the ways of the world. Through being a people born again, we have become a different people. And Father, being part of the body of Christ. We're part of a cleansed people who together encourage each other to be faithful and to become more like Jesus. Father, help us to understand that being a Christian is not just something we do on a Sunday morning. Being a Christian, being a disciple of Jesus is something that has to impact every area of our lives. Because in everything we do, we do with Jesus, joined to him. Oh, Lord, help us to grow in our knowledge and understanding. Help us to grow to be like Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.